up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 80 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast, where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games and news and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete Umbessi, joined, as always, by my favorite monster, Mr. Robert Townsend. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and the only man able to go beyond the flames, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. That's an interesting introduction. <laughs> all right. I, that's better than, like, you just aggressively disliking the nickname so i'll take it that's a win <laughs> all right fair enough <laughs> you gotta take them where you can get them yeah so uh unfortunately andy got concussed this week uh he was trying to no no jump no. don't try to sugarcoat pow it block, uh <laughs> but then he realized he was in fact not a super mario brother uh he tripped and smacked his head on some concrete so my brother is uh resting this week but he will hopefully be back with us next week uh, according to his doctors i thought you whacked him over the head so hard that he couldn't get on the show but all right no i mean honestly it speaks i've hit him in the head many times to try and do that and i think the fact that he is like concussed speaks volumes about how hard he actually hit his head on that block so you got better at your job is what i'm hearing (sighs) (laughs) he played too much tomb raider that's what happens oh no you raid one too many tombs, you're going to get hit in the head with a rock. He got to thinking he was Laura Croft, and that is <laughs> not the case. Get well so, soon. Yeah, get well, Andy. We'll, we'll see you as soon as we can. Uh, but uh, go show Andy some love over on Twitter. <laughs> Tiger underscore millions. Uh, so we were set to talk this week about Deltarune, the maybe sequel to Undertale, but um, unfortunately Andy is not here to talk about it with me. Uh, and Thompson and I are going to be playing it this week on Pals Play, but Thompson also hasn't like gotten to sit down to record that yet. So um, our impressions are very scattered. Like aside from just my general impressions of if you're a fan of Undertale, you need to go play this game. You know, it's it's. Toby Fox's voice, and it's it's not Undertale. It's very different than Undertale, but it has a lot of that special sauce. So I'm very excited to talk more about it and get into some of the nitty gritty gritty of how the mechanics have changed, and you know some of the things that are um, that are really working or not working here uh, next week when we've got the whole panel ready to discuss it. But my initial impressions are very positive, uh, and if you remember how high I was on Red Dead Two last week, Sean, I barely played red dead this week because i was playing this whoa so yeah speaks to to the quality of of that there delta rune so um yeah i'm excited to get into it next week but for now uh you know we're gonna kick that one kick that one down the the block and i promise we'll actually follow up on it next week unlike some of the other things i've promised to follow up on for you i told you (laughs) not to promise things man we followed up on andy's uh whack on the head i mean you followed through on that (laughs) So. Alleged whack on the head, Thompson. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, uh, Sean, do you have any updates for us with uh, with what's going on in WoW? Are you guys still working on that last boss? So, uh, we're still working on Gahum. I have a sad update. If oh, no. <clears throat> I told you guys about the top 100 and how there were X amount of slots left. Uh, that expired as uh, of Monday. So, we missed it. Damn, I'm sorry, man. It's all right. I I I wasn't uh, gunning for it myself. It'd be kind of cool, but uh, there's always next tier, and um, I'm just happy that you know we're still, uh, you know, we're intact, and you know we're doing well, and 
we made a lot of we made a lot of strides this year, so I'm I'm cool <laughs> with it. I'm sorry, I don't I don't mean to laugh at what you said. It was just the way that you responded to that. I feel like I'm like a uh, a sports like a like a color journalist, you know, like when you, it's like oh, you know, we didn't get it this year, but there's always next year, and you know, we just got to get out there and put our heads down and put in the work, man. <laughs> That's how it feels. That's how it feels when I had to give a speech to my team to kind of talk about that. Uh, it felt like that. It felt very much like that. Like, I, like because it it does suck, and you have to motivate, you know, because there were people on the team who didn't care about that. So, um, you know, hopefully they're not disappointed enough to leave after Gahun dies. But we'll see. Well, if any of you uh, see, I almost did it again. I almost said beyond the flamers, like. Like by accident, I don't know what to like how to pluralize the members of your guild. <laughs> you don't, not with this guild. If, if, any, if any of you beyonders, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, are listening? Best of luck to you. Uh, you know, with wrapping up here, and um, you know, you'll get them next year. Uh, and we've also got some reader mail this week, which I wanted to get into. All so, right. Sean, why don't you uh, give that a read? Sure. So this is from Ryan Klobek, who's commented on a lot of our stuff recently. Uh, We appreciate that. So he says, hey, guys, let me start this email with a fun little anecdote. Back in 2017, not long after Castlevania premiered on Netflix, I did a search to see if any podcasts were doing reviews of the show. I'm looking through and what do I see? A podcast called The Comics Pals. That was my first introduction to your network of shows. No guys, way! That's very oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. You guys have given me hours upon hours of entertainment since then, and you've graciously read my emails once I decided to start writing in. So thank you for all of that. It really means a lot. Wow. That's so that's cool, a, that's Ryan. really cool, man. <laughs> I had no idea. And like Sean said, uh, Ryan's written in on a bunch of our stuff like across the spectrum, and I, I had no idea that... Uh, that that episode of VGP was anybody's point of entry. That's so cool. Yeah, man. Like Stan Lee said, anybody's, uh, any comic book could be anybody's first, right? Yeah. So, uh, wow. continuing on, he said, now one year later, I'm writing you to talk about Castlevania season two. First, let it be known that Castlevania is one of my favorite video game franchises of all time. As such, I'm definitely biased when I say this, but man, oh man, <laughs> that I love these eight episodes. See, listen, there you go. <laughs> yeah, all right. I listened to your review, and I echo some of your criticisms. I do agree that the story was a bit slow-moving, but while the show falls short in terms of plot movement, it more than makes up for that in atmosphere, art direction, action sequences, and most importantly, its character development. I would agree that the character development fell more heavily on Dracula's side than that of our heroes, but I still thought Trevor and Alucard had excellent arcs, even if they weren't as fully realized as Dracula's, Isaacs or Hector's. I also heard Sean when he said the show lacked a central protagonist or actor, and that's a fair point. However, to Warren Ellis's credit, when your story has an ensemble cast, you do your best to give everyone their moment in the sun, and considering the number of characters he had to work with, I was very satisfied with the character development we received. We know why Isaac, Hector, and Dracula hate humans. We know why Trevor and Alucard want to kill Dracula. Even Carmilla has suffer- suffered motivation, oh, I'm sorry, sufficient motivation to dethrone Dracula. Granted, we only get it in the form of a brief flashback, but it's enough to understand why she has a horse in the race. Every character is built up, and every action they take makes sense. Of course, 
It all comes down to what you value as a viewer. If you want a clear central protagonist with a briskly advancing plot, that's totally fair. Sometimes you don't even know what you want until you see it. Castlevania Season 2 took a different path than I expected with its meditative character studies, but I ended up loving it. Thanks again for reading, guys. Sincerely, Ryan. P.S. I hope Hollywood goes a dark and gritty route with the upcoming Mega Man movie. That aesthetic makes everything better, right? Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder. <laughs> Oh, right. Awesome. <laughs> oh boy. Oh my god. But, uh... <laughs> I couldn't agree more on on the points of Castlevania either. That's that echoes like everything I felt about it, especially as a biased fan. <laughs> it's, it's hard well, I, to not think, love it. <laughs> I think Ryan makes a lot of really strong points. Yeah, too, yeah. You know, um, and, and I think uh, I think depending on what you're looking for, right, like. The things that weren't satisfying about... Like, I'm sorry. Let me just take that back a second. I'm getting down this rabbit hole. Sean and I made the point in our review that despite our criticisms, we still enjoyed the show. And I think that's because of some of the things that Ryan outlined here. Oh, yeah. Of, like, the aesthetic and the tone and just, like, the vibe of it. The art direction in the show is so strong that even some of those things that weren't as good for us, like, I think it, it speaks to the overall quality of it, you know? And I'm really glad that it, it worked for the two of you as much as it did. Yeah, I am pleased. too. <clears throat> and I think I think Ryan does make some good points, but I will say if you look at like uh if you look at any ensemble cast type of movie or T V show or whatever, um you may not have a driving force uh who drives the ship like throughout as an individual, but most of the time it'll be within scenes that someone is driving or within episodes that someone is driving, stuff like that. You look at, like, The Dark Knight, that has an ensemble cast. The Joker is the driver of that of that car, you know? Um, sure. And there are lots of examples of things like that. I mean, a more extreme example, right, is, and I, we brought this up on in our review, is, like, Game of Thrones, and it, it takes the opposite route where there are several actors, you know? It's like if you look at it, every faction has at least one main character. You know? Right, and and characters by and large are the least interesting when they are passive, which is why a lot of people came away from a Dark Knight not liking Batman because he was reactionary. He didn't do things; he reacted to things, hmm. and that's similar to what we had with Castlevania, where everyone was reacting but no one was doing anything, so it was just kind of a standstill. Um, or, but, or to your point, when they did take action, sometimes it was slow. Right, yeah. like they make the decision to go to the library, and then they sit in the library for like three episodes or two right. episodes. Yeah, that's so. not that's not excitement. But uh, right. beyond that, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. It's better that you, as the Castlevania fans, have something you like than me, as someone who doesn't care about that franchise. Uh, it doesn't matter if I like it or not. I'm happier yeah. for you guys. So cool. I mean, and the fact that it gets us this far in not caring about it speaks to. The fact that there is there is a, a through line of, of quality, and I think, like we said, I think if season three is a little bit, just a little bit more either fleshed out or focused, I think it'll be, I think we'll be back into it. And there's no way that something that looks that good and sounds that good could be bad, you know? No. Yeah. I, yeah, hard agree. I'm just glad so, I got to share something I like with my friends. <laughs> you know, like, that's the best part of it to me. Like, the fact that it's there for us, and it's not just, like, a game you have to access, just, it's nice. It's cool for me. I dig it. Yeah, because you don't really have a lot of 
opportunities to talk Castlevania. So it's like, no, no, why would you? (laughs) Yeah. It's not an everyday conversation. Right? Like, Ryan just said he's a huge Castlevania fan. So, exactly. See, we're we're, right in. Ryan, right right in. What's your favorite Castlevania? Talk to Thompson about it. He's dead. Seriously. Let's play. (laughs) I haven't played Rondo of Blood, but that's in the package. <laughs> Fucking Rondo of Blood. You need to get that, man. You it's part of the the two game package, and like by we all means, get... it's a really good deal. So please, please, yeah, we gotta we gotta pick that up for Pals Play. <laughs> I need Fuck the it. feedback on Rondo of Blood. I will definitely play it. Don't worry, Sean. Honestly, we've been getting the uh, request from Harris to get you on an episode of Pals Play. I'm trying to get you in for a Rondo of Blood series. Do you want to talk about why he's saying that, by the way, since we're bringing that up? Do you want to? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so another another fan of ours, Harris, has been tweeting at me very regularly telling me to get Sean over on Pals Play to play Mario Party. All oh, right, yeah. So That sounds awesome. I had Harris over at my house uh, last week, and him, myself, and my girlfriend were playing Mario Party. And when I play video games, if I'm loose, if I'm comfortable, I get a little crazy. And, uh, you know, I'm very active physically with my hands, with my body, and, uh, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting time. And he kept saying while we were playing, you need to be in front of a camera on, on Pals Play doing this because that is what would make you guys blow up. I'm like, no, motherfucker, I'm not doing that. Uh, That's not gonna happen. Uh, so now he's... You know, going what he thinks is above me to reach out to you to tell you to get me on Pals Play. So that's above, the story. above me, you like I can control Sean. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing I can do is make polite suggestions, <laughs> <laughs> or or I secretly put a camera on and wait until you're just like totally relaxed and then be like, I'll edit it perfectly and then show you a finished product and be like, yo. <laughs> and then I would sue you. See, I don't want to be filmed either. I understand. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty used to being on camera by this point. Me too, point, but, but like, I'm not, not I'm, one for video games. I'm, right, exactly. Yeah, That's like yeah. A very, it's a big uh, difference. I get a yeah. little bit animated too, and like, I'm normally pretty chill. Sometimes I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm jumping around like an idiot sometimes. I'll say <laughs> this. We'll see what happens the next time I end up in your neck of the woods. How about that? That's what I like to hear. We could always just do a regular game. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be aggressive Mario Party. <laughs> there, for me, there are no regular games. Every okay, game yeah, that's is... fine. Exactly. That's Every fine. game's a battle. I yeah. came out of the womb with a controller in the hand. I was exactly. born in the, the juices of gaming. It's 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 part of your blood. There is no... Oh, it's a, it's a friendly... No, you're dying in this game. <laughs> you that's merely right. adopted gaming. We were born into it. Molded by it. I held a controller in my hands before I was even a man! I fucking made Nintendo Power magazines. I created the Game Shark. Hell yeah. Oh my god. Oh, so thank you so much, Ryan, for writing, and it's always great hearing from you. 
Um, and uh, that was a particularly insightful email, I thought. So oh, always great to get one of those. So if you guys want to let us know uh, what you're playing this week or what you thought about this or any other episode of the Video Game Pals and you want to hear your thoughts right on the air just like Ryan did, you can uh, hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com or follow our sister show at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold and keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing here at the Pals Network. Uh, and if you guys want to help out the show, remember, if you're an audio listener, we would really appreciate it if you would give us a like on your platform of choice. We're pretty much on every podcast platform these days except for Spotify. Still working on that one. Uh, but if we're not where you are or where you want us to be, let us know and we'll get there. Give us those ratings so that other people can find the show just like you did. And uh, if you really want to help us out, you can have, head over to Apple Podcasts where we're currently a five-star rated show and give us one of those sweet, sweet reviews. And uh, again, help the show get recognized. Help us get new eyes and ears. And if you're a YouTube listener, remember, you can uh, do us a solid by liking this video, subscribing to the channel if you haven't already, and clicking that notification bell so that you know when our daily videos go live here on the Video Game Pals YouTube channel. Uh, and if you've been listening to us for a long time, like Ryan, and you didn't know that we have our brand new YouTube channel, you should go check it out. It's been up for a couple months now. We've been getting some great content over there. Thompson and I are doing Let's Plays Monday through you know Thursdays um, most of the time. Sometimes Friday. And, uh, Sometimes Friday, yeah. And uh, we, we're going to be doing Deltarune this week, so go check that stuff out. It's been great. Um, and we would really appreciate getting your support over there. So, with that, I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! All right, so we've got six items on the news list this week, and our first one is a, uh, a little follow-up to last week's main topic about BlizzCon and Diablo Immortal. And uh, if you recall, Andy and Sean and I uh, made a couple comments about how it kind of seemed ridiculous that they didn't make a nod to Diablo 4 if it was coming, right? Well, now uh, we seem to have gotten the confirmation that it is, in fact, coming. Um, but there's some information around this story and how it came out that makes it a little murky and messy, so I'm going to take it to you in order so that we can separate the truth from the fiction and you guys can walk away with a good idea of what happened. Because if you were just skimming headlines this week, you probably saw a lot of stories. So the first piece of follow-up is that uh, following the, you know, let's, let's, let's call it what it is, the abysmal announcement of Diablo Immortal, Activision Blizzard saw its stock drop uh, and they lost $3.7 billion. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. People were mad. People are mad, dude. Yeah. I mean, I said last week that I thought they had every right to be, and I stand by that, although the there's a big contingent of gaming community that feels like that's not the case. Speaking of which, we had a comment that came up on our Facebook page this week that we saved from the reader mail section because it was applying to this specific story. So, Sean, why don't you read uh, a comment from one John Casey, so the brother John, of our editor. <laughs> yes, John Casey is the brother of Phil, who you guys obviously will know as the editor of this show and also uh, a member of the Comics Pals. And he had this to say. Fan entitlement once again rears its virginal head while flapping from its Cheeto dust laden mouth, quote unquote, burn them all. <laughs> so, uh, if you're at all familiar with John's comments on any of our content, um, 
you're, that's par for the course here. Uh, I did think it was creative that he chose Cheeto dust instead yeah, that, of Doritos. Yeah, not you know. Really, yeah, it's a, it really that. came to Doritos <laughs> in my head, unfortunately. So, and Mountain Dew goes with Doritos very well. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, Sean, why don't you react to this? All right. Well, uh, as per usual, uh, John is wrong. Um, <laughs> he now, now to be fair to him. <laughs> He wasn't wrong about Venom, so there's that, okay? And I've acknowledged that. We've all acknowledged that. But every other time this guy has something to say, he's wrong. So the reason why you're wrong is because Blizzard is a company that makes games. They make games for fans, okay? And not because they want to they want to please their audience because they love them. It's because they want to make money. That's the only reason, all right? Uh, so... They should make games that people actually want to play instead of making games that people don't want to play. You're not obligated to do that, but it's smart to do from a business perspective. You can do whatever you want. But if you make a game that you know your core audience doesn't want, they're going to do this. And it makes sense why they would. Uh, granted, we understand that this game is probably for a different market than the core Diablo fan. I believe that to be the case. But yeah. this is not a creative decision. This is a financial decision because this game is being made by NetEase, who basically have already made this game with different skins. In fact, <clears throat> their game looks exactly like this already. So, so Blizzard said, all right, well, why don't you make a game for us called Diablo Immortal uh, that's going to be a, a cash-in? That's all it is. Yeah, it's and, you know, and, like, just to play devil's advocate, right, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you're a business, and like you said, if you want to try to hit a different market and make money that you're not making, you know, that's, go for it. But you also got to take care of your base and the people that made Diablo a name that you could even use to make that kind of game and make that profit. And I don't... While I think that a lot of the reaction was, like, rude and, like, unnecessarily rude, I think that what you're saying about... Um, Caring about your base and and treating your fans well is is valid, and I don't think that's entitlement. You know, that is a thing of like, if I care and support Diablo, you know, and we're not even getting a, a a nod to what is supposed to be coming next, the thing that we really want, and you respond to our, you know, our uh, being upset by that, right? The passion that the fans have, even if it is misplaced by reacting that way is to like be snarky about it or make fun of them. And like, that's not, that's not a good look. And like, I don't care. Even if they react poorly, you as blizzard should be the adult in the room. You know, when your kid screams in your face, when your kid screams, I hate you. You don't scream. I hate you back. You right. know what I mean? Mind you. Um, I believe that the word Entitlement is bandied about way too frivolously in this community. Uh, entitlement would be if you if you had fan outrage over a certain character, like I don't know Waluigi, not making it into Smash. And that is some fan entitlement when people, people are like out. giving Sakurai shit for it. Exactly because he is that's a creative choice. It's his game. He can put whoever he wants to put in it or not. 
It doesn't matter. Man, he's also bending over backwards and kissing his own fucking... Or bending over backwards and sticking his head through his legs to kiss our asses by giving us almost every fucking thing we've asked for. And you pick the one thing to tell him to go kill himself over and all that kind of shit. It's like, grow up. You know, it's like... Right. That's an insanely childish position. That is ridiculous. This is much more understandable. And to your point about the language being used by the fan base, this is the internet. That's just what people do. I've never seen a discourse among gamers that was, you know, respectful because that's what happens and it sucks and I hate it, but we understand that that's just the way that that's just the way this works. Blizzard was silly for announcing this without something to satisfy their base and everybody brings up this example, Bethesda, right? It was Bethesda yep. that had they had the mobile game that no one cared Blades? about. Blades, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. And then they also went on to say, oh, but these other games that you really care about, they're coming. Yep. So, And that's the thing, too, right? Like, sorry, Thompson, not to cut you off, but cool. they, they, and if you think about that conference, if those things aren't at the end of that conference, the narrative is totally different. Because they not only announced those mobile games, they also announced Fallout 76, which was a thing that people were like, I don't know about this, and, like, they are smart about being like, okay, we know we have to make these announcements that you're going to have questions about, right? And what do we do? We started off strong with here's our shooters. Here's something that you know we do that you're waiting for, that you want more of. Here's more of it. Here's the experimental shit in the middle with somebody that you trust, Todd Howard, to explain it to you and explain why we're doing it, what the point of it is. And hey, just so you know, it's not getting in the way of the thing that you love. The thing that you love, we still care about it. We still love it too. It's on the way. We're working really hard on it. This is this other thing we want to do to try and get our, our stuff out there for more fans, you know, and, and to give you more to do. And like that narrative works. Putting this out as your one announcement and then when people are like, what the fuck, being like, what, you don't have phones? It's like, come no, on, that's dude. ridiculous. Like, um, there's a there's a more tactful way to respond to that. And if that developer isn't the guy to make that response, well, we said it last week. That's why you have PR people. So then my question for you guys is, if you'll indulge me, would this have worked if it wasn't Diablo? If it was still the same type of game, but it was set in either of their other universes, like Warcraft or Starcraft, do you think the fans would be as mad? Because you do get more stuff in those zones right and so yeah. maybe there isn't any diablo announcement maybe it's based off of you know like the nexus from heroes of the storm it's but it's the same type of game it's just, it's a it's a cash grab right but would there have at least do you think there would have been less um outrage if it was set in yeah. one of those definitely i definitely do so it's just really but, just a matter of the clothing it's wearing like which is really yeah because it's yeah, like it's right because sean made a really strong point last week about how the Diablo fan base feels kind of burned because yeah, Diablo's yeah. just no. Been, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a fan of all of Blizzard's properties, and you know, like it's 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 the command and conquer for me. You know, of Blizzard, it's like it's there. <laughs> I still play Diablo too because it's just like that's where it peaked for me. You know, like I feel like if they had like, and obviously this wouldn't be a one for one thing, but if they had been like, hey, we're making an Overwatch mobile game, I don't think people would have freaked out. Yeah, or like it a. Uh, you know, well, I mean, Hearthstone, you know, is it's like they have a mobile game that, that actually, you know, is it's a good mobile game and all that. I like People I'm not like saying it. that this immortal thing haven't played it obviously. Um, you know, wouldn't be good mechanically, but I'm just saying it's because it's a Diablo game that, you know, it, it caused this, you know. Which So my my perspective is this. If Blizzard's if Blizzard announced a mobile game made by NetEase 
for any of their franchises, people would have been mad. Because, because it's from them, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. that makes sense, too. Yeah. If you... If you Oh, you brought up Hearthstone. That's a perfect example. Yes, it's a mobile game, but it's also playable on PC. That's a big thing. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. And that's where that's I play it. That's a really yeah. good point. You can only, for the most part, you can only play Blizzard games on PC. Yes, Overwatch exists in other formats, but that's unique. Uh, Diablo got released later on console. PC is the home of Blizzard games. To, for there to not be a PC counterpart is really crazy to me. And I it think if crazy, you did yeah. that with any of their franchises, people would be mad because there's a there's a dispar there's a there's a disparity between people who play heavy PC games and people who play mobile games. I don't know that that crowd is one to one, and I certainly don't think it's one to one when you factor in Blizzard loyalists. But if they but if Blizzard themselves made the game and if it was available on console as, or I'm sorry, if it was available on PC as well, I think it would have been a lot easier to swallow that pill for any I mean, of the franchises. I mean, it is, yeah. I mean, both of those qualities, I subconsciously didn't even think about that. The the fact that it wasn't on the PC, you know, like it, that's where I play my Blizzard games, you know, and that's right. like I have played Hearthstone on the phone like once, but I played on the computer, you know. <laughs> Just, yeah, and like them even coming to consoles is a recent thing, right? Yeah. Like, but before Overwatch and Diablo 3, it had been since the N64 when Blizzard put a game on consoles, you know? So Yeah, and that was... <laughs> that, was not great. that was not great. <laughs> uh, so, but what about Diablo 4, right? So, uh, what happened, right? Er earlier this week, um, Jason Schreier, what an actual real video games journalist looks like, <laughs> uh, made a post where he had released a story about how uh, Blizzard had had plans to release a uh, video about Diablo 4 at BlizzCon. And it, he's now made an update since then that apparently that wasn't exactly true. Um, so... Let's read. We'll read from the article, and we can we can get into it from there. So here's where he starts with the update. Right, this article originally stated that Blizzard had recorded a video planned for BlizzCon in which co-founder Alan Adam, Adam, Adam. Do you know Sean? Alan. Alan Adam. Alan Adam. Yeah. Adam. Okay. Uh, talked about a new Diablo game. Although we can confirm that the video was made, Blizzard disputes that it was planned for BlizzCon. So then this is a quote from Blizzard. First off, we want to mention that we definitely hear our community. We generally don't comment on rumors or speculation, but we can say that we didn't pull any announcements from BlizzCon this year or have plans for other announcements. We do continue to have different teams working on multiple unannounced Diablo projects, and we look forward to announcing when the time is right. However, and this is back to Jason. However, two people uh, familiar with Blizzard's plans confirmed that the company had indeed recorded a video in which co-founder Alan Adams spoke to fans about a new Diablo project. What's in dispute here is the timing. We had originally reported that it was planned for BlizzCon, but it's possible that those plans were simply discussed and never solidified. Either way, the video never came out. We can confirm that Diablo 4 is indeed in development. One of those sources told me that the Diablo team wasn't ready yet to commit to an announcement, as Diablo 4 had, had changed drastically over the past four years and may continue to change further. We've heard it's gone through at least two different iterations under different directors. We apologize for any misinformation and have updated this story accordingly. 
Uh, and there's there's a little bit more context to the story, but that's that's the main notes. Please go give Jason a click. Obviously, we always like to source him on this show, um, so he deserves uh, your uh, your click. Um, so, with that in mind, this this makes this even more infuriating to me because even if the their plans weren't in in place for Diablo Four to have the announcement at Blizzard or um, at BlizzCon. Excuse me, that's a bad strategy. Like, do the sizzle reel. You know, it was one. We all remember. Well, it was one of the biggest announcements of Nintendo's first post Switch E3, Metroid Prime Four, and it was a fucking logo. And let me add, with Blizzard, if you have a game coming out, the when it's done mentality is pretty much ingrained in you. So that's fine. Yeah. Like, make a fucking sizzle animatic. You guys are so good at making hype trailers. Just make a hype trailer and show a logo and call it a day. There's a little wrinkle to this that you can only find if you look in the comments section of this article. Jason says this. uh, Consider this. Blizzard had to deal with constant questions and embarrassment after announcing Titan with nothing to show and then watching it go through development hell for a decade. Presumably, Blizzard's top executives looked at it and said, Hey, we don't want to repeat those same mistakes again, so let's just wait to talk about this until we actually have a demo. That, I think, is very, uh, very much required to talk about this. It's a great point. That being said, I still think that they had better options. They could have not shown this game at BlizzCon, which... Knowing Blizzard, I think that's the best way to do it. That's the best way to go. Not show this game at all. Or show the game, but also say, oh yeah, and Diablo 4 is coming. Could you imagine if they announced this crappy mobile game, and then everybody thinks it's over, and then that same guy is like, oh, by the way, one more thing! Yeah. And it's just Diablo 4. It just says Diablo 4. That's what I mean. We'll wait. But that's, that's all you had to do. That's... All that was required. They if they did wait. this, if they did this, the 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 backlash would be a lot less. Yeah, I totally it, agree. I don't know. Or I, if they had had something to show from the animated series, like like any other thing to just be like, there's more Diablo. Like the future of Diablo is bright, and this is just the first thing we're doing. You know, like it really did feel so much like watching the the last Command & Conquer thing come out, you know? It's just like, this yeah. is where it is, and it's dead, you know? And it's like, you gave us nothing else to think that it wasn't that. And then you have the, you know, you have phones, don't you comment, and it's like, shit, man, Diablo's... <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, it sucked. It really had, it was a bad feel, you know? Even their response, right, which is, is in this article, says... This is from Blizzard. First off, we don't. First off, we want to mention that we definitely hear our community. We generally don't comment on rumors or speculation, but we can say we didn't pull any announcements for BlizzCon this year or have plans for other announcements. We do continue to have different teams working on multiple unannounced Diablo projects. They want to announce when the time is right. That's all great and everything, but why continue to be vague? Yeah. After all, right. all of this, why would you continue to be vague? We know based on the sleuthing, that there is a Diablo 4. You're not going to not put it out, so why wouldn't you just say, we're, we're, you know, it is a game, it is going to come out, we're waiting till the time is right to showcase that, but we wanted to let you guys know that it is a thing so that you understand that we haven't forgotten about you. 
Yeah, like, just confirm what Jason's already reporting. Like, like my thing is, like, in my mind, right, and, like, maybe this is giving him too much rope, but, like, if Jason reports on something, it's true. And if it isn't true, he writes a retraction like he did here. So it's, like, if he tells me Diablo 4 is in production, I believe Diablo 4 is in production. So, like, if you know he's going to run the story and be, like, hey, this is what I'm – just just like you said, just be, like, yeah, it's in development. But, like, it's not at a place where we think it's – it's ready to talk, be talked about. We're eager to talk about it with you, but we've made that mistake in the past of revealing things before they were pr- pr- ready for you, and we don't want to make that mistake again. So we really want to take our time and make sure we get it right so that the next Diablo is a game that you're looking forward to play for years to come, you know? I'm not in PR. I just wrote a response that would be better than what they gave him, you know? Like, you just need to tell the people what they want to hear at this point because they – like, the primary reason – and we're talking about this way longer than I even wanted to, but it's – the primary thing is that they feel like they're not being valued. They feel like they're, they're, the love and the time that they've put into Diablo is being ignored or that they are being, um, you know, just not treated with the, like, respect that they feel like they earned from caring, you know, from being the fan who buys the $50 ticket, who goes to BlizzCon to watch this, to hear the announcement because they're a diehard. Right. And to be fair, that kind of loyalty is deserving of something. Right. And I think the way they handled this shows that they don't understand that. And their continued vagueness shows that they're they're just continuing to make the same mistake. They should be transparent. Being transparent is almost always the best solution. That's what people want. They want to feel like you respect them, like they're talking to you like somebody who's not an asshole or an idiot, you know? And yeah. I think that's that's why they're upset. Like, they're upset about this announcement, but they're more upset about how it was handled. So, moving right along, uh, we've got another little bit of a... It's like a slight follow-up. I know we talked briefly last week about how Red Dead has been, you know, off to a really strong success. It had the, the second most successful opening weekend of any entertainment product aside from GTA V, and it's continuing to uh, break records. So, uh, Game Informer here is reporting that Red Dead Redemption 2 sold more copies in eight days than the original Red Dead Redemption sold in eight years. Whoa. Damn. Yeah. It's a lot of copies. <laughs> so, during Take-Two's uh, second quarter financial report, um, they offered a update about how Red Dead Redemption is selling. And uh, they said... What I just said, right, and then the original did in its first eight years, and as of today, the title has sold over 17 million units worldwide. So. Wow. Yeah, we're off to the fucking races here. That's, I think, over, I'm pretty sure that's twice as much as the original Red Dead Redemption. Wow. That's nuts. Which I think, I think sold around eight or nine million copies. That's that's insane. I mean, we've seen like we keep seeing this happen with games like you know after like like Spider Man and shit. You know, there's just like game after game have come out and they just just astronomical sales. You know, and it's yeah. just it's every time there's a the big blockbuster like they're just doing this crazy level. You know, and this one's like I, this is the craziest one I think. <laughs> well, and and another little interesting wrinkle to this story is um, Matt Burtz, who's the uh, the managing editor over at Game Informer, who wrote this article. He said that um, because of Red Dead's strong sales and then the continued uh, success of NBA 2K19, which Take-Two says is the most successful launch in that franchise's history. 
So 2K, which sells amazingly, had its right. best year ever. God damn. Um, they're actually they're raising their forecast for their 2019 financial year. They think they're going to make more than they than they predicted on a year where they released Red Dead Redemption Two. So they're in a they're in a position I think to be they're going to be making a fucking insane amount of money by the end of this year because people forget that GTA Five is still a best selling game several months of the year. Yeah, like <laughs> it's the race in cash. They're rolling in it, bro. They're rolling in it. So. Congratulations to uh, Take Two and and Rockstar, of course, for doing the work. But um, in general, they're they're in a fucking enviable position for sure. That's uh that's the last line. Like Game Informer has a little thing where they're like our take, and the thing that Matt's right Matt writes is Take Two looks to be in an enviable position for sure. That's <laughs> like yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> well, uh, my only thought. I mean, obviously, congratulations, but. There was just a huge controversy surrounding the work and the crunch of yep. people who work over there. And my immediate thought was, how much of this is going to be kicked back to the employees who worked, you know, all those hours for all these years to make this game what it is? And I think I think that is something that uh, is going to be really interesting because, you know, given that story right and then the broader kind of conversation around crunch and how rockstar has had that culture for a long time i think looking at the amount of money that 2k is raking in off of all of these these properties now that like it's already unacceptable but it it becomes more and more like glaring that you're doing that when you're that like insanely successful Right when you're that like when you, when you have t- the top two highest grossing opening weekend products of all time under your belt, and there are people who are working unpaid overtime, that's not right. All's well if those people see some cash from this, but guess what's not a story anymore? It's out of that- the headlines. So if they do it great if they don't do it whatever either way we're probably not going to hear about it and that's the end of that story and that's what i said was the biggest uh problem for me with that whole thing is that it would go away and that's exactly what happened people don't actually care yeah and well and i i think i think it's like it's tough because this it's like people care but they care in the moment when it's presented to them and then they don't think about that context when they read this headline too. And not nobody, right? You go look in look at any of the articles that are linked out to this, there's plenty of people in the comments making that comment, right? Of like, oh I hope I hope all those people that worked overtime on on Red Dead are seeing some of that money. And, you know, probably honestly not enough of them are. You know? At least not the entry level kind of employees and stuff like that who still put in probably a lot of time and effort into that. All I'm saying is that the conversation was inescapable three weeks ago. And now it's easy to not see that. And if you care about something, at least in my opinion, you don't forget about it. I care about a lot of things that I think about all the time. Yep. Yeah. And and I think, I I think it's, it's, it's definitely a thing that like, it's important that we have people uh, like Jason 
who have a platform, and he always talks about this. Like he's constantly writing about this issue, right? And I think to your point, Sean, like if you do care, like you got to just remember this when this announcement's made, right? That like this is awesome. This is a great achievement for the people that worked on that game that dedicated six years of their lives to doing it. It's great because. I think 2K in general is a great publisher. They make great software. I'm glad that they have resources to make good, good, more great software. But there is that caveat of there's a there's a workplace – there's a problem with the culture of the way video games are made. And when companies are making this kind of dough, like we got we to gotta push them to make sure that it's getting far, far enough down the chain to the people that are actually making the product. You know, moving right along, uh, Nintendo are going to be the ones this time around choosing our five DLC characters for, for Smash. So this came from a tweet uh, from Sakurai himself, the man, the myth, the legend. And uh, this is what he had to say. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate DLC lineup is now complete. This time, the selection was made entirely by Nintendo. I decide if we can create a fighter based on their selection, then come up with the plan. So I thought this was really interesting because previously, um, and Sean, you can you can probably speak to this a little better than I can even. Uh, we 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 would always get the um, what do they call it? The smash like the you know they would they would have everybody vote. It was it, it had like a, a name for the the program or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was everybody would vote in for their chosen fighters, and then they would kind of pick the top, you know. What, like 10 or whatever and see if they were possible and if they could get the rights in order and all that kind of junk and those were kind of the how we got our fighters yeah uh there there were a lot of ways like uh obviously sakurai has his biases that's how we got so many fire emblem characters and you know uh, jazz like that um obviously like pac-man came to the game because of uh namco's involvement in smash 4 um, so, the, the, like, a lot of that stuff does come down to, like, his personal interests or what his, you know, business relationships, uh, require. Um. Right. But beyond that, you look at characters like Mega Man, hugely requested character who made it into the game. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Like, so many of the characters that are in, uh, Smash 4 and Smash 3 are characters that were requested by fans. Even... The Nintendo characters that you think, well, they were shoo-ins, were they made it in because we, you know, wanted that. Yeah, like you look at like a great example this time around, like Ridley and King K. Rule are characters that have been in every single fake Smash mock-up or leak or request list or anything you've seen since like fucking Melee. <clears throat> well, this game, more than any other game, I would say, is just pure fan service because yeah. those two characters I, like, I think about 2008, right? When this game was about to launch, you couldn't tell me that Ridley wasn't going to make it. And then I think about Smash 4's release. You could not tell me that Ridley was not going to be in that game. I was so sure. Uh, and then it didn't happen. And now we're finally getting them. We're finally getting him. We're finally getting King K. Rule. And that's why I said last week, I think it was, I have no complaints because we're getting everybody we wanted. And yeah, okay, not literally everybody crashes in there and stuff, but it's whatever. <coughs> Yet, we don't know. <laughs> true, 
True. To your point about DLC, yeah. We don't know who those characters are, but... Uh, I I was just going to say, to the point about Nintendo making the choices now... Yeah. That is actually really interesting. I wonder why that happened. Because... It seems a little odd that they would take the power of that away from him, and I wonder what the reasoning is behind that. So I have two thoughts on that, and it actually takes me into our random question of the week! Awesome. So I want to ask you guys, who do you think these characters are? And we don't have to pick all five, but I'd like us to each come up with one, at least. Um, And I have two thoughts on this. So, when I think Nintendo's taking this over, I would imagine that their motivations would be twofold, right? You would think it's going to be characters that they that you think you want to see sell, but to a point that we've made on previous episodes, pretty much any character they make will sell, right? Like, certain ones are going to be more popular than others in terms of getting the hype going, but, like, if you're a serious Smash player, you're going to buy everyone, you know? Um, and I think even if you're a casual person who plays the game regularly, you're going to buy every character because you want as much content as you can get. That's my thought anyway. So I'm thinking there's probably two angles to this, and one of them makes me a little concerned for some of our wishlist characters, but I wonder if the goal isn't just to like promote other Nintendo software at that point. That makes sense to me. Uh, I, I I could definitely see that being at least a portion of their consideration, but at the same time, I think Nintendo understands very well what Smash is. And yeah. I think that they would at least do the due diligence of trying to get other characters from different, um, you know, from different companies and, and do their best to get them in this game. And if they couldn't do that, then I think they would do their best to pimp out their other characters from other franchises. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, like, I've, I'm still really, I don't want to say holding out hope, but I'm, I'm definitely one of the people still banging the drum that I think that the idea of, like, some of the characters that have been requested still makes sense. Like, I think when you look at their relationship with Microsoft, I don't think it's crazy to think that we'll see, like, Banjo-Kazooie or, like, Steve um, from Minecraft. You know, I think... That's a strategic partnership that could make sense for them, especially when we've been talking about the N64 Classic and the possibility of that being a thing and them wanting Banjo on that unit as well. And, you know, they have been buddy-buddy in certain ways, like with marketing against PlayStation with Fortnite. And, you know, I, I, I think that one makes sense. But I'm, I'm trying to think of other, like, who are the other developers who they have Part, like important partnerships right now that aren't represented, right? And I, my thought, my immediate, my mind immediately goes to Bethesda. Um, and I, people have talked about maybe the Doom guy being a fighter, or you know, like the Dovahkiin from Skyrim or something like that. Or they just announced that they're making the the Diablo amiibo, uh, like a week or two ago for the the loot goblin. And I think there's going to be one of Diablo himself. So like. Maybe it could be a Blizzard character, but I specifically one of those. But like that's the thing is they're making important partnerships with other third parties, and my my question is, do I think that these picks are going to be more focused on selling 
Nintendo games or representing or and solidifying partnerships with people that they work closely with right now that have supported the Switch? Because there's that- like there's no Ubisoft rep, and like they've got a real tight relationship with Ubisoft too. You know, yeah. like. I would say, though, that, like, Nintendo has always built their product on the idea of goodwill all the way back to the first Nintendo coming out, you know? And that's just, like, a company thing. So if you were going to have to say one or the other, I'd say they'd probably lean more into, like, solidifying their partnerships and stuff. But that's just because, you know, they they do tend to garnish goodwill in things that they do as company practices go. Like I said earlier, I think the answer is a little bit of both. I think yeah, I don't think they're gonna be heavy-handed on it. Yeah, they're gonna do. They're gonna try to do what's best for uh, the game. Ultimately, uh, what's cool about this is that all five DLC characters will be new characters to Smash, and I think that that alone makes it to where it's very difficult to be disappointed with whoever it is because yeah. it's just it's just hype that they're here. I I hate Banjo-Kazooie the game. Like I I I I, I didn't get into that at all. I was desperate to see that character make it in the smash. Yeah, it's just I, it's just different. Yeah, and I I I am very much in the same mindset of you on that, Sean, where like my hope for smash when there's new characters like yeah, there's characters I want to see make the cut, but I am never upset about a new character in Smash because everybody is somebody's favorite, you know. So it's like to me, like I don't, I don't really give a shit. Like if if you know, like Banjo Kazooie is a character that I want to see because for the same reason that you said, it's different. There's the legacy there. It feels like he should be there, you know. Or they should be there. I should say. There's two of them. Um, but I'm not, like, the biggest Banjo-Kazooie fan. You know, there's other characters I'd rather see, but when I think of, like, who are likely candidates that I want to see in there, like, yeah, like, I want to just see more representation of video game history and, like, the legacy and just, like, fucking, you know, like, I want to get as many fucking mascot fighters as we can and and fill out that eight-man brawl of just different company mascots going toe-to-toe. Tetris block. Be cool oh my character. god! Everybody's been saying that one lately, and I'm just like, get out of here! <laughs> Sakurai needs to sleep. L block. L block. <laughs> well, so to answer my random question, who do you think is the is is a character you see as one of the most likely candidates right now? If you had to guess a character that you think could actually get in the game, not a character that you want, I have two. I have two answers. Go uh, for it. One is, uh, I believe her name is Dixie Kong, right? Yes. Yeah, I I see her possibly making it in. Uh, it's weird to me that she's not already in. Actually, um, the the Donkey Kong franchise has really low representation in Smash, and uh, I think she could be fun. So th- there's that. But I, I I I you know we just talked about this, but I really feel this way. I think if Microsoft was going to give any character to Nintendo for this game, it'd be Master Chief. I don't know, man. I I just don't think so. I don't like. I think. I don't know. It's a. It go ahead. Go ahead. Make your make your position. Uh, well, it's really simple. Master Chief is a character who is a part of a franchise that dominated the two thousands as far as gaming. I would say that no gaming character was more popular than Master Chief in the two thousands, and. Yeah. I think that that is um, 
a huge reason why he should make it in. On top of that, if the if the relationship between Microsoft and Nintendo is strong, and Nintendo wants to represent that, and you're talking about mascot characters, Microsoft has never had a character bigger than Master Chief. So he is their mascot, and he should. If if they're gonna put anyone in, it would be him. So, I think I think that makes a lot of sense, and I definitely if Chief gets announced. That's awesome, and I think his status as a video game icon is not is not up for debate. My argument against him is I really think that Halo has a brand identity problem right now. I think, like, you're right that in, in its heyday, Halo was the biggest deal in the world. You know, the original Halo trilogy, and I would say even up until the point of, like, ODST and Reach, you know, like, Bungie's time with Halo, Halo was untouchable. But I think Halo is a lot, in my mind, it's a lot like Assassin's Creed right now. Where, um, or I guess not even like Assassin's Creed right now, like how we felt about Assassin's Creed pre-Odyssey, right? And we like general, you know, community. Where I think Halo is played out. And I think Halo has not been given a chance to breathe or rest it just keep it's kept coming out since it started and yeah there's time between the games but like it went from a point of being like the thing to now this really like tired kind of dated franchise you know and i think that the like legacy and the iconography of halo has been damaged as a result of that in terms of like its general popularity and like the fucking just overall like mind share of gamers and i feel like the fact that like when we see the top requested characters and people are asking for banjo and like chief isn't at the top of that list like makes me feel like why banjo would maybe be the one that they would give us from microsoft but i think honestly like if we're gonna go with like just sh- straight up popularity like steve from minecraft is is bigger than either of them I didn't even know that that Minecraft had a character, so um, yeah, like, like the, that, I mean the that's not. Guy. Yeah, that's that. I don't think that's true. I don't think I don't think that people know Steve. I think people know Minecraft. Whereas yeah. Master Chief is is Halo. Everybody knows who that is. If you show anybody a, a picture of that character, they know who that is. And I think if you're um, our age. Yeah, but young people don't care about Banjo-Kazooie. Young people don't care about Mega Man. They don't care about Ryu. They don't care about Snake. They don't care about any of those characters. Smash is not about that. Smash is about celebrating gaming as a whole, not gaming right now, not gaming in the 90s, not gaming in the 2000s. So, for that reason, Master Chief... I mean, in the 2000s, Master Chief was probably more popular than Mario. Master Chief is that big. Yeah. It just, was that big. Yeah, just because the games aren't that popular now doesn't mean anything because Mega Man stopped being popular. Uh, Street Fighter games have had a problem getting developed getting developed for a really long time. It took many, many years to get Street Fighter 4. And Ryu made it in. All, like, I, I, I think the difference, though, in my mind, and <clears throat> this is like, when we were talking about this privately, this is like one of the things that I, I think the big difference is that even though they're, that Mega Man is, like, 
a dormant franchise, right? Like, yeah, we just got Mega Man 11 or whatever, but it's not like it was a fucking blockbuster that set the world on fire, right? It's not Mario Odyssey or something like that. Mega Man and Street Fighter have a, like, their iconography and, like, their importance to video games in terms of, like, general, like, like perception of gaming is bigger than Halo and bigger than even them as franchises. Like, Metroid's like that, right? Like, Metroid hasn't sold a lot, but parts of Metroid's, like, look and vibe are what, like, when you, like, when pop culture, like, thinks of video games, that's part of it. And, so like, I think... Yeah, Halo did that, that for the Yeah, you can't... FPS. There's no argument against that. Halo is is the definitive shooting game. I, I, think, I think you're right. But I think that that its place in that way has, in a lot of ways, like waned. Like I don't think it has the resonance that it used to. Because I think, like, when you think like FPS, the average person would probably like think Call of Duty. Like Call of Duty is that like back in the two thousands, it was Halo. But like for the for like the the latter half of the 360 generation and everything like that military shooters really became the shooter thing like call of duty black ops like black ops specifically but like call of duty fucking battlefield um you know those games are are really like the thing you know and like and i think like when i think of chief as xbox's mascot in the Xbox days, hell yeah. For the 360 generation, yeah, yeah. But, like, he's not now. And I feel like he's more analogous to what, the way that, like, Crash was PlayStation's mascot back in the day. And, like, Sackboy and Nathan Drake were their mascots during the P- PlayStation 3 era. Where it's like, yeah, this is, like, that was the big character, but he's, like, not that way anymore. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I don't matter. think he doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter right. if, if if they're not right now. Smash is, like I just told you, Smash is not about right now. Smash is about gaming as a whole. People cared about Crash getting into Smash more than anything in 2008, and he hadn't had a game that was good in almost 10 years in 2008. Right, and that's, that's valid. But my point... Another point there, right, is, like, if that's the case, does Microsoft want him to be the rep in Super Smash Brothers? Why not? And if if they're the ones making the de- – because maybe they want a character that they see is more relevant. Who do they have that's more relevant than Master Chief as a I character? Think, I think Minecraft representation would be more relevant. Like, no we don't know. Steve. But, but to your point, if they put him in the game – and it was just like he's got Minecraft powers, right? Like that works. I think that would be enough to be like he's the Minecraft rep, and you 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 know Minecraft, so here's the Minecraft. Character. Okay, who plays Minecraft? Like a whole gen- the the entire generation under us. Exactly right. Smash yeah. Brothers is not for those people. Smash Brothers is for our generation and the one above us. And Master Chief represents that generation. There are no, there are very the only character in Smash that represents the generation. I don't even know that it represents a generation below us, but I was thinking about Bayonetta. But she she's also yeah. part of this generation. Yeah, there no, are she definitely no is more characters in Smash Brothers that represent the generation below us right now. That's not but, a thing. But Sakurai picked all the characters before now. Yeah. 
And that's my that's the that's the question though, right? But with Nintendo making the choice, don't you think Nintendo might be inclined to get things that are more appealing to younger gamers? No, because they don't they probably don't even know who Steve is. Well Steve, you gotta be kidding me, man. Kids know Steve really, from Minecraft, bro. But, but Nintendo does not appeal to kids with this game. They never have. Smash but is that, not for them. I don't know. It's not. I'm just, it's a fact. But, it's a fact. But I'm saying. But I'm saying if they're making these picks, like if they're taking the choice away, I wonder if that might be the motivation of some of the picks of I, of characters that are supposed to be broadening the audience. If they know. did that, it would be unprecedented for the entire history of Smash Brothers, and that would be something that is completely unpredictable. But if you look at the history of Smash Brothers for 20 years, they have never done what you're saying. It's never happened. Fair enough. They've also never taken this. Uh, to be fair, there's only one generation where they even added DLC characters before now, and this is unprecedented for them to take it away from Sakurai. But I guess that doesn't mean very much when we're only talking about two games, really. Right, but but it's, but it's also but the, the assumption that they that they would do something different just right. because they have the control. Right, and that that's a great point. Um. So to take it back to my actual question, my answer for this is I th- I think one of the picks is going to be Ribbon Girl from ARMS. I think that uh, Springman and Ribbon Girl are the two people on the cover. They're the two. They're the male and female lead, basically, of the game. Uh, Ribbon Man or Springman is already a assist trophy, so he's out of the running in my mind. Ribbon Girl is a um, me fighter costume, which has led, which has been a, a um, characters that have gotten those have then gone on to become characters like DLC fighters. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility for for that because of that. Um, and I think Arms is the one new franchise that Nintendo has debuted on Switch. It sold. Uh, above their expectations and i imagine that they want to make an arms too so i think putting her in the game seems like a an easy an easy win uh i i definitely think that some representation from arms makes sense what about you thompson i really don't see why not arms you know like it's somewhere i don't necessarily know if ribbon girl um but i don't really know the characters in that very well but it makes she's the most recognizable one i think yeah i know the two front you're talking about but like I don't see She's anyone the girl else with making the it. Hair. Yeah, I wouldn't see anyone else really making it then. And it really makes sense, like you said, why not ARMS 2? And, you know, why not this? Um, I do see something coming out of the deal with Microsoft, and I definitely lean toward the Master Chief side of it. Uh, if you if you didn't guess, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, Minecraft's big, but Master Chief represents them to me. Um, the only other thing I could think of that would be like obscure that we wouldn't consider is something like from Odyssey. You could you could literally just have Cappy, maybe you know, like that's that's a well. Cappy's on Mario's head for the the new mm. Mario. Like, yeah, I don't know, but like something like that. I'm saying there might be yeah. something we don't know from a game. Maybe they were like, oh, that'd be cool if we could push a side character up like that. You know, I, I'm not mm. I'm not sure if there's anything that would really work for that. But those that's like just they if they want to pull from in house. You know, I, I don't know what they could really do because. To be honest with you, they've really given me everything that I would even guess. Like, I was, before it was announced, I was like, yeah, anything Castlevania. Oh, shit, Castlevania's here. Uh, okay, so that, like, 
took this you know that's that would really be you know like that and like getting snake back is huge just it's it's hard for me to guess anything else besides the deals with microsoft or you know maybe like i don't know like would you would you consider like tomb raider possibly if that was even a thing no, you know like i wouldn't even consider that but i don't know i think I, I do think like an ubisoft rep makes sense so like i think like a rabid like we yeah had i don't know mario plus like, rabbit's kingdom battle you know yeah. like there, there's yeah there's room for there but like i don't is it worth putting in smash like a, a dumb rabbit you know i don't i don't know <laughs> i mean i feel like they're in a big way they're like ubisoft's mascot no they right are now and they were in a game with mario so like yeah. why not it could work it could work and then for all costumes you could have all the ones like the mario rabbit the peach rabbit right right all the ones from the game i feel like that's another one that makes a lot of sense what do you think about that one sean uh, I don't know. That that seems a little a little weird to me. Um, I could I mean it, it, it could happen, but I when I think of Ubisoft, I think of uh, Assassin's Creed. Granted, I think of that and Far Cry, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Enzo, right? SEO. He was SEO, like the big sorry. dog back in the day. Yeah. They could do they could do Cassandra from the new one, I guess. Like. But that's like not going to be on Switch and shit. I don't know. Yeah, that that could make sense to me. I don't know, man. It's really tough to predict this stuff when we're so like we're so deep into uncharted territory right now. I know. That's but that's why it's fun. You know, yeah, like sure. I know I know like these maybe aren't salient, but like I I love like just putting the predictions out there because if we get one right, it'll be fun. Yeah. And if not, we'll be surprised. Listen, I've spent more far more time than I'm comfortable admitting thinking about what characters are going to make it in the Smash. So for me to do it on a podcast is the the wish fulfillment of a 16-year-old kid. So, <laughs> so you know, this is one I really want to hear from the, the community on this one. So if you guys have any ideas for who you think might be a good rep, like, and again, not wish list. I'm talking like who has a real shot of making it. Let us know. Hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com or list on the comments down below. Any of that stuff that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I'm I'm genuinely interested from hearing from you guys on this one. So yeah, our, our next our next bit is just like a little tiny bit, like it's a PSA more or less. Uh, the YouTube app is now over on Nintendo Switch. So if you wanna have a second way to watch videos on your Nintendo Switch, the option is available to you. Where Netflix is, nobody knows, but that's what I'm holding out for at this point. Uh, once we get that trifecta, I'm pretty much set. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, Thompson does have to run again on this week's episode um, because apparently, you know, his job just doesn't listen when he says he needs to go in, you know, at a normal time. But anyway, it gets out at one. I got to be there at one. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) So, Thompson, we will catch you next week. Yeah, you can find me at Rock Vampire on Twitter, and I do pass by with Pete. We're going to do Undertale 2, if it's not called that. I know, but I don't remember the name. Delta Rune. There you go. Alpha Rune. Gamma Rune. All right. Bye. Bye, buddy. So, Sean, now that it's just you and me, we have a thing that you are uniquely poised to talk about. Speaking of things finally coming to platforms, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds oh, God. on the, the PlayStation hell? 4 was briefly listed on Amazon with a release date of December 8th, which is notably the day after... The Video Game Awards, which is, you know, pretty famously a place where announcements like this are often made. 
Uh, it was like pretty much immediately delisted. But uh, Wario sixty four on Twitter, who you know we name drop a lot, is uh, kind of a you know a regular pundit out there. Um, shows that like he still has it cached and has the uh, like the product descript dis- the product description that says not available yet. And then the product description, the the actual, excuse me, about the product says not available yet. The actual product description just says sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they should be sorry. For- so my question to you, Sean, and uh, I, I, you know, I have a pretty good idea of what you're going to say. Is this too little too late? Do you think anybody gives a shit about, about PUBG on PS4 at this point? Hell no. Come on, man. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. You want to talk about franchises that have died a death? Let's talk about PUBG. Let's talk about the fact that one year ago on this show, I argued that PUBG wasn't even a game and that PUBG was going to fail eventually. And I was completely right. Completely and utterly right. And the fact that it is now being ported to the PS4 a, 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 a year after its relevance showcases that these people don't know what the hell they're doing. They're doing their best, man. They're just trying to keep it. They're trying to keep it afloat. They, now, and, and it's sad. They were the Coke. Now, the best thing they can hope for is to be the Pepsi. I don't even know for, if they're that. I, I mean, Do people I feel play like they game? are in. The, I feel like they are in the battle royale space. Like people do still play PUBG, but it's certainly not what it was. It's not the most played game on Steam, you know, like it was. Like Fortnite is a, a juggernaut. Like Fortnite is is this generation's like Minecraft or Pokemon, you know? And that is something that they can never, ever, ever hope to touch again. Because even at its peak it wasn't that. Like, Fortnite is accessible in a way that PUBG can never be. So the best thing they can be hope to be now is the Pepsi again, you know? And, like, I think they still are, but, like, that doesn't mean that, that PUBG is still going to be, like, relevant in another year, in another two years, unless they really turn things around. And I think I think it might really be too late because now that you have, like – the people that are really good at military shooters trying to come in and do their own battle royales, like the battlefields of the world and Call of Duties and all that stuff, like, what's the reason to even go back to this? Sure. Um, and, and again, I don't know a single activated gamer who hasn't played Fortnite. Or, who, you know, who when I talk to them about games, they bring it up at some point. It comes up. Yeah. PUBG. I think especially if you're casual... I've actually never heard a gamer that I know of talk about PUBG outside of, like, this space of doing this show. Really? Um, Yeah. And I think that that, that's at the height of its popularity. Uh, At the height of its popularity, everybody I knew was playing it. And now everybody I know who's, like, an activated gamer says that they will never play it again. Well, most of the people – because PUBG was primarily PC when it was at its height. And yeah, I don't sure. know any PC gamers. So, except people who play WoW. And none of them talk to me about PUBG. But the point is that I think that this is... It's fine for it to go to PS4. I don't think that that's going to help them any. I think their time has passed. I think they made mistakes that hurt them really bad. But I also think that Fortnite is just more appealing 
to an audience of younger gamers who don't necessarily care about the gritty, realistic feeling of what PUBG offers. Whereas Fortnite is colorful, it's cute, it has that appeal, that that mass appeal. I think that plays huge. And it's also ridiculously... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Accessible. Like... When you like PUBG has a mobile version, but it's not. I don't think it connects with PUBG proper. Whereas, like with Fortnite, you can play real, actual Fortnite on your PlayStation Four, your Xbox One, your Nintendo Switch, your PC, your iPhone, your iPad, your Android phone, or whatever the fuck else. Like you know, like it's it's literally everywhere, and it's free, which PUBG also isn't. And it appeals to kids because it's colorful and there's guns, but it's not violent. It's not bloody. It's not a military shooter. Like, parents will let their kids play Fortnite. Exactly. And I think for all those reasons, Fortnite was probably destined to take over. But I also think that PUBG didn't help themselves. And I also think that if they had made better choices, maybe it'd be more of a competition. Dude, it's so funny because I think you're really right to say that Fortnite was, like, naturally poised to take the spot. But it's so funny how wrong everybody was about that. Like, I remember when it first came out, like, we all made fun of it. But it wasn't just us. Like, it was everybody. Everybody was like, yeah, good fucking luck trying to bite PUBG's thing and try to just do your own version of it. But they just quietly kept iterating and making it better and making it more accessible and making it play better and like oh PUBG's broken and buggy and dumb well Fortnite's stable and well supported and it's got a good community and uh, all it takes yeah and it was just little by little it's like a war of fucking attrition you know like PUBG just like cannibalized itself by getting too big and not growing at the level it needed to to keep up with itself and Fortnite was just quietly the stable alternative until all, all of a sudden it was making billion like a billion dollars a month you know it's, it's wild sometimes all you have to do is lay and wait until your opponent makes a mistake yeah yeah dude it was like uh fortnite was like a sleeping giant you know so yeah i don't know about this i'm interested to see how this does i'm interested to see what the numbers of fortnite i'm uh not fortnite jesus christ speaks volumes of PUBG on ps4 uh, when it actually comes out, because, I don't know, people are still playing it, but it's certainly not what it used to be. That's for sure. I don't, uh, I don't know who this is for, but hey, good for you. All right, so moving right along, our last news story this week before we get into our meat and potatoes is, uh, it's the end of an era. The strategy guide maker Prima Games has announced that they will be closing their doors. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, if you are a child of the 90s and played video games, this is this was kind of the last bastion of, uh, of the great strategy guide makers, you know? Uh, I think if you are a frequenter of GameStops and stuff, you, you probably noticed over the last couple of years that Prima was kind of the last holdout, you know, for this, this kind of content. Um, so the, the news is that it's going to be closed by the end of spring 2019, uh, the uh, CEO of um, DK, which is the uh, the publisher behind it, said that um, 
made this statement in a, an interview with Publishers Weekly. Uh, quote, during a year-long extensive review, many new ways were explored to diversify Prima Games publishing. However, the dynamics for us of this fast-paced landscape have continued to prove difficult. This enormously dedicated team has made every effort to turn the business around, but challenging market conditions have unfortunately worked against them. So, you know, I don't think this is particularly surprising news if you are, you know, anybody who pays attention to online media. There are dozens of free alternatives to buying a strategy guide. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't think this is, uh, you know, it's not shocking news, but it's, it's sad. It's the end of something that was very significant when we were kids. And uh, that, that, that makes me a little nostalgic and, and a little weepy. Yeah, I mean, man, these guides were everything to me when I was a kid. I used to uh, read them even when I wasn't playing the game, uh, and and especially for Pokemon, they were huge for me. Oh yeah, yeah. When it came to Pokemon, they were massive for me, um, and and so many other games. I mean, I, it it makes sense why this is happening. Uh, I haven't thought about a, getting a guide for a game since 2008 when I got the guide for Street Fighter 4, and the only reason I did that was because it included the frame data for the game, which is, like, very hard to come by. Most of the time, gamers themselves had to figure that stuff out, but for it right. to be released in a, in a, in a book was huge. Um, but other than that, I haven't thought about getting one of those in forever. So it totally makes sense. But... As a child of the 90s and as a person who used these all the time, I literally have a stack of them still in a box. Every one so I have. So do I. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Yeah, it's sad. And I get it. And I, I think the one solace that I take in it is that I think one of the things that was always cool about them, especially as they tried to become more valuable – was I think one of the things that I always like the last one I bought was the Kingdom Hearts 2 one because it was a it was from Prima actually I think and it was uh, a deluxe edition that had lore and like background information and like character breakdowns and all that kind of stuff and like those books still exist you know I look at like Dark Horse uh, does the Legend of Zelda stuff like they just did the Legend of Zelda encyclopedia they did the the timeline books and stuff like that and all those those sorts of things they still exist and and I think we'll probably see those start to become the replacement for these where instead of it telling you stuff about how to play the game and tips and tricks and all that stuff it's going to be more just like the art book and you know the the developer's director's guide and all that kind of stuff and you know I think if you like those books support them you know, show that show that you want to see more of them. Um, otherwise, they're going to go the way of this stuff too. Well, the legacy of Prima, like you said, and of these kind of books is that we have those things. Yep. When I was a kid, I didn't know that I needed that, but there was a book for it, and I got it, and that changed my whole worldview about games. And you know, that was why I was when I first got the internet. I was like, oh, I should look up cheat codes for Grand Theft Auto. You know. Yep. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, it's sad, but. You know, I think everything has its time and place, and unfortunately, much like the video store and a lot of other bastions of our childhood, this is something that has perhaps outlived its usefulness. So, uh, rest in, pre in peace, Prima Games. Rest in peace, Strategy Guides. Uh, we knew you well. That's right. 
All right, so moving right along into our main topic this week. The meat and potatoes is all about... I have no idea what to call this. XO18? It's 2018, but with an X. It's Xbox's big... It's Xbox's big thing, everybody. So we talked about this a couple months ago, I think. Uh, Xbox announced a PSX-style event in Mexico City uh, where they were going to be talking about all things Xbox... And uh, it was it was a big deal. It was yesterday, as of the time of this recording. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch it live, and I have still not gotten to see it. I'm going to have to watch it after the fact of this recording. But thankfully, uh, Xbox did a great job of putting out a little recap by Will Tuttle, uh, who is the Xbox Wire Editor-in-Chief uh, over on you know news.xbox.com. And it's very, very you know complete. We've got all the big announcements here. Uh, but Sean, did you get a chance to check any of this stuff out beforehand? Like I've all, all I've gotten to see was like recaps basically. Yeah, no, I didn't see a single thing from this. I honestly didn't even know that this happened. I completely forgot about this event. So, uh, whatever we talk about here is news to me. Cool. So uh, that's, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I, I was kind of like following along a little bit on Twitter uh, because, you know, uh, a couple of the pundits that I follow, like, uh, at Nibble and, or, um, or is it at Nibelian? I think it's at Nibble, either one of the two. Um, and, uh, and Wario64 and those people were kind of following along. So I saw some of the announcements, but in general, um, there's a lot here to get through. So unfortunately, you know, like our, our number one Xbox boy, Andy Brown is concussed. So you're going to have to <laughs> ha- have me and Sean walk you through this one. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to skip all his preamble cause I don't want to read this entire article and just get to the announcements. So the biggest thing to come out of this is that the rumor about Xbox and Obsidian Entertainment, uh, coming together is in fact true. Um, so both Obsidian Entertainment and In Exile Entertainment have joined the Microsoft Studios state of a slate of, of developers. So I'm going to read his thoughts here. As part of our commitment to bringing a steady stream of new exclusive games to our fans, Matt Booty. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Matt Booty. Announced Microsoft's intent to acquire two game development studios, Obsidian Entertainment and In, in, in Exile Entertainment. The teams at Obsidian and in this is such a hard name to say for me in exile share a distinguished repu- reputation for creating deep, engaging role playing games. As part of Microsoft Studios, Obsidian and in exile will have the support and freedom to fully realize creative ambitions on both existing franchises and new projects. These two creative teams will continue to operate autonomously and bring their unique talents, IP, and expertise to Microsoft Studios as they build new RPG experiences for our players and fans. You can learn more about Obsidian Entertainment and In Exile Entertainment in our full announcement post here. Uh, so, like, we're not going to get into, like, all of the nitty-gritty of all these announcement posts because there is a lot to get into. So if you want to go check it out, you know, they have the information. But essentially, it's just kind of like explaining who these people are, you know? Um, and what they've done, but uh, if you're not familiar, these are, you know, Obsidian is best known for probably Fallout New Vegas. Uh, they worked on South Park, The Stick of Truth most recently. Uh, they did their own Pillars of Eternity. Sean probably knows them best for Knights of the Old Republic 2, or I wouldn't say knows them, but likes them best. Um, knows and likes. Sure. Whenever, I th- whenever their name comes up, I immediately think of that game. 
And uh, In Exile is most notable for doing the Wasteland series. They did Wasteland 2 and 3 most recently, which are kind of like spiritual successors to uh, to the OG Fallout games. And then they're also known for uh, – they did Bard's Tale 4. You know, so that their top-down isometric RPGs are kind of their bread and butter. Uh, so this obviously fills a, a pretty significant hole in Microsoft's um, development portfolio. And we talked about this when this was teased that I think this is a perfect home for Obsidian because they're a a studio that has historically made great games and struggled to sell them. So I think this seems like a match made in heaven for both of these studios. Yeah, I'm really happy for Obsidian. Um, As you mentioned, I know them best and love them from Knights of the Old Republic 2, which... uh, in my opinion, if it was a finished product when it was released, it would have been the better uh, Knights of the Old Republic game. And that proves to me that they understand how to tell stories. And I think everybody understands, well, not everybody, but a lot of activated gamers think of Xbox as the place to go for shooters, but not so much for story-driven game experiences. And I'm saying yeah. could change that. Absolutely. And I think especially like if they're given the resources to make a game... Of the at the caliber of like a Fallout New Vegas, like they did, they've proven they can make the big AAA title. Most Fallout fans think of New Vegas as the best one. There you go. So that's something something to think about. So I'm really excited for this announcement. I think this is a big deal for Xbox. And uh, shit, they might just force us to buy an Xbox Next Generation, and that's <laughs> that's what you hey, want. You're you know what. I think you make a really good point. If Xbox had more story-driven games, uh, I probably would get an an Xbox. Yep. So, moving right along, uh, Crackdown 3 announces Xbox Game Pass launch on February 15th with explosive debut of Wrecking Zone multiplayer. So, uh, Xbox... Like, this is a bad name for an event. X18... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> provided a uh, first look at the over-the-top antics and explosive gameplay of Crackdown 3's Wrecking Zone and all new multiplayer mode where environmental destruction is your secret weapon to take down your enemies. Developed by Microsoft Studios in collaboration with Sumo Digital and Elbow Rocket, Crackdown 3 will bring super-powered agents to New Providence, an action-packed open world to take down a criminal corporation using an explosive set of weapons and abilities. Step up your boom in the campaign on your own or with a friend to unleash cooperative mayhem when uh, Crackdown 3 launches on February 15th, 2019. Crackdown 3 is available at launch with (coughs) Xbox Game Pass and globally on Xbox One and Windows 10. As a special thanks to our fan and to celebrate X18 announcements, we will be offering the original Crackdown to all fans free of charge from now until November 13th. Experience the original now with Xbox One X enhancements and head to the Microsoft Store to get your copy. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. You know? This, this game, man, it, it's been in a tortured development cycle, and it's hard to get excited about it. Especially for me as someone who does not care about uh, the Crackdown franchise. It's like, Me hey, too. Congrats. Like, I'm sure there's people who care about this. Good for you. So this isn't for me. Uh, and um, just, I don't know. It's great. <laughs> I think the thing is, though, that even people that it's for are probably, like, a little bit, like, just just fucking put it out already, man. You know, it's like it's been teased and delayed and all this stuff so many times that it's kind of like, I, I just, I, 
I have that feeling of like, how could it possibly be good at this point? You know, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to put that negative energy out there on it, but that's how I feel, you know, and this announcement doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't move that needle. And I played Crackdown 2 a little bit with, uh, with a good friend of mine, you know, um, and it was a lot of fun. It's like, I feel like Crackdown is a game you could get me to care about, but man, they've done everything they can to just make me like, be like, whatever. I feel like this is going to be another game that's going to come out on Xbox Game Pass and nobody's going to care about it and it'll have its audience, but whatever. And that's what happened with the last two games, right? Like, Sated to K2 came and went. Uh, the Pirate Game, which I can't even remember the name of right now. Good sea of Thieves came and went. <laughs> so, and they've got their audience. I hope they care about this. We'll see. Uh, so the hits keep coming with Xbox Game Pass. Today, Microsoft announced the general availability of the Xbox Game Pass app on iOS and Android, enabling you to seamlessly browse and download new games to your home console via your mobile device, so you can quickly jump into gameplay the next time you turn on your Xbox One. That's pretty cool. Uh, we are also excited to continue to expand and, and diversify the Xbox Game Pass catalog by making the popular blockbuster title Player Unknown's Battlegrounds available to all members beginning on November 12th. In addition, Thief of Thieves is officially available on Xbox One and Xbox Game Pass starting today, and we're bringing Agents of Mayhem, MXGP3, and Thomas Was Alone to you starting on November 22nd. So that's cool. Bunch of big games or like you know notable games coming to the to the platform. That's great. Uh, they also are excited to bring the unique gaming experiences like Ori and the Blind Forest, Kingdom Two Crowns, and Hellblade send you a sacrifice to Xbox Game Pass this December. And we announce additional games from independent developers launching through ID at Xbox, um, which is their indie program uh, that will come to Xbox Game Pass the day they debut on Xbox One. Starting this holiday, this includes After Charge, Supermarket Shriek, Mutant Year Zero, Pathologic 2, The Good Life, Void Bastards, and Secret Neighbor. <laughs> Those are some interesting titles. Yeah. Uh, furthermore, we confirmed Ori and the Will of the Wisps will be available on Xbox Game Pass at a time to its global release on Xbox One and Windows 10 in PC 2019. So I know Andy would be really excited about all that. I wish he was here to comment on some of those. I know he's a big fan of Ori. Um, but I think this is this is great. You know, they're filling out the library with a lot of attractive titles. Uh, that The Senua's Sacrifice was obviously a big game last year. Um Ori in the Blind Forest obviously has a lot of resonance, especially with Xbox gamers. And I think them having day and date for these ID and Xbox titles is fantastic. You know, if you're an Xbox player, if you're engaged with Xbox, that's a lot of brand new games coming to you day one. And that's value. You know, I, I think that's been Xbox's big strength lately is, is trying to make Xbox a pro-consumer spot. And I think this speaks to that. This is their pocket. This is what they have been gearing up to, you know, do over the last few years. And I think that they're they're just, you know, like it says, the hits keep on coming. You know, they're doing what they should be doing with uh, Game Pass, trying to make it attractive. And I think that for people who have an Xbox, um, this is attractive. For me, the barrier of entry is too high because I don't have an Xbox One. Yeah. But if I did, this might be something I would mess with. Dude, if I if I had Xbox, I would have Xbox Game Pass, and this would be super attractive to me because I haven't played any of these games, and a lot of them are brand fucking new. And you know, it's the thing that sets you over the line if you're oh that new indie game looks really attractive. I'd want to try that. Oh, it's free. Yeah, you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, 
So that's pretty cool. Um, and if that isn't enough to wet your game then this is back to the thing, obviously. I don't talk like this. If that isn't enough to whet your Xbox Game Pass appetite, we also have an exciting offer for you that you don't want to miss. Starting today through January 3rd, you can sign up for Xbox Game Pass and receive your first full month for just a dollar. Fantastic deal. Um, and there's a growing catalog of over 100 great games added every month, or great games and new titles added every month. Now has never been a better time than to become an Xbox Game Pass member. Yeah, I think that's probably true. For a fucking dollar? Yeah, you kidding me? <laughs> Give it a shot. Um, next up, Xbox delivers its biggest Black Friday deals ever. The holidays are almost here, and shoppers uh, around the world will be able to give uh, to give more as Xbox is back. That's a weird way to say that. With our biggest <laughs> Black Friday deals ever, Xbox is, top, is offering deep discounts of up to $100 off select Xbox One consoles, bringing the Xbox One X down to its lowest price ever, starting at $399. Great deal. Um, but the savings don't stop there. Can't decide what gift to get the gamer in your life this holiday? Give the gift of more than 100 titles, including access to Xbox exclusives, the same day they launch for the one monthly price at an even better value with deals on Xbox Game Pass. Score your first month for just $1. You just told me that. What are you doing, guys? <laughs> I read that for no reason. I thought you were going to have more. That's Nope. That's it? That's literally the same thing. You're killing me. You're killing me, Xbox. Just a reminder. I trust just a reminder, spend a dollar and get that great deal. And then they're also going to have deals on some of the, you know, like big Xbox games like Forza Horizon 4, Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, and more. So go check out their Black Friday post uh, for more details on those deals. We've got the links down below. You know, you can go check it out. Uh, so then they said the biggest blockbuster games play best on xbox one that's probably true during today's show we took looks at a number of new games coming to xbox one as well as updates on some fan favorites so uh take a trip to fortune island in forza horizon 4 we don't care about racing games here so i'm just going to give you the real highlights on this one i don't need to read his three paragraphs about forza horizon 4 um but there's the fortune fortune island uh, expansion, which is the first expansion to come to the game. It's coming out on December 13th on Xbox One and Windows 10 PCs. Uh, you get an all-new adventure in a remote northern reaches of the British Isles, where you're going to get extreme conditions, including fierce lightning storms, perilous cliffside dirt roads, and sweeping paved mountain switchbacks from under the mystical glow of the Aurora Borealis in search of hidden treasure. So that sounds pretty cool. Uh, wow. if, you're in, if you're into racing games, that sounds pretty dope. Um, if I was going to play that game, it sounds like I would be driving in a lightning storm around a perilous cliff and fall the fuck off. So, you Forza fans, you're going to have to write in and tell us if you're hype about this one, and then we can we can read that one next time. Um, so the Minecraft marketplace gets bigger and better. Helen Chang, the head of Minecraft, dropped in to talk about Minecraft's record-breaking year, which is incredible that they still have record-breaking years, because this game is like sure. freaking five years old, and people still care about it. Um, so they said, okay, record-breaking year, a new game announcement, releasing major vanilla game updates, and surpassing 91 million monthly players. Whoa. That's not total. That's monthly that's players. That's insane. That's insane. So that speaks to what I was talking about earlier when I was saying, like, if, if Microsoft has a cash cow, it's Minecraft, buddy. Not so Steve, big, though. Fair enough. I'm just saying. 
people give a shit about Minecraft, and it's wild to me that it still has this resonance. To put that in perspective, World of Warcraft, the biggest MMO of all time, uh, only maxed out at... Uh, was it 13 or 14 million? Yeah, about 14 million players. And currently right. has about half that. Which, to be fair, also, they were also paying $15 a month. Right. So, that's big money. But, but still, this 91 is like million players. Nine times that, almost. Dwarfs it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, it's also on every platform in the world, which helps. But either way, the fact that Minecraft is still what it is, is wild. And since they bought Mojang... Xbox has done, or I guess it's Microsoft that, whatever. Microsoft and Xbox have done a great job of continuing to grow the game and keep people interested, and there's more on that this year. So on top of all this, Helen shared insight into the ever-expanding Minecraft marketplace, bringing marketplace partner Pixelheads along with her. Pixelheads, one of the most popular official Minecraft partner teams, stopped by to talk about their creations and how they got their start in game development and the marketplace. During the show, the Minecraft team was proud to announce that the marketplace had reached 77 partners who have driven more than 13 million purchases for their creation since it launched last June. Viewers also got very special look at the history behind cats and pandas in Minecraft, which will release next month so that's cool uh new content still coming to the game and i think that's really amazing that there are 77 full-time partners that all they do is make content for minecraft that's wild wow what a juggernaut yeah i mean that speaks to what a juggernaut this game is um and it's kind of funny because like i feel like i'm old right in this space sure so i've never played minecraft and really? Yeah, I've never played it. Wow. Um, I saw. I can't believe you never even touched it. Never touched it. I saw a kid playing it one time, and yeah. I thought that was all right, but I, I've never touched it. Um, and to know that it's such a massive thing that is not on my radar, like I feel very old right now talking about this. Right? And I, I think it's funny because it's not even the new, like, like – Thing, right like it's like Fortnite is that now and but minecraft is still going strong and it, it speaks to that thing that uh that we it, it, it's a it's a consistent thing that comes up on this show but when we talk about the fact that gaming is just bigger than it's ever been and the fact that there is a community that's that large that you're not even aware of speaks volumes about how massive and just far-reaching video games are as a medium in this day and age they're, they're so much bigger than they ever were. If there was a game as big as Minecraft in 2003, first of all, that would never have happened. But if, the, but if it did happen, there's no chance that I wouldn't have been playing it. You know? Yeah, because it, it would have been impossible. Yeah, it would have been the only thing to do. But now, you can get by without touching it like, and have a great time with games. Mm-hmm. I feel fulfilled by games that I've never played Minecraft. Or yeah. Fortnite. Right. And that's... That's, that's a beautiful thing, you know? So, man, like, God bless Minecraft. Like, I, I don't know that I'll ever play it again, but the time I, I did spend with it, I found uh, it's extremely memorable. Like, the very first time that I played it and set up my own, like, homestead and just spent my first, like, 48 hours setting up a camp and building it out and everything, like, until I hit a brick wall with it where I was just kind of like... I want more to do when there isn't more because I was playing it on 360. 
um, it was really special. You know, and it was it was a game I played a lot with my ex girlfriend. Like I played it a lot with my roommate in college. Like I have a lot of really positive memories with Minecraft, and like its aesthetic and its music and all those things are things that I, I think of very fondly. So I'm glad to see that it's still kicking and that it's like it is what it is. That it's it's a bastion of gaming, and I think it's gonna be one maybe forever. You know, at least for the foreseeable future. The fact that it's only gotten bigger since I stopped playing is insane to me. Because I feel like we don't talk about Minecraft anymore. But it's still out there. And that's cool. Uh, so moving along to some Sea of Thieves news. Uh, battle rival crews in the arena of Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves is changing in a big way with its fifth free content update since launch. The arena, releasing in early 2019, is an all-new competitive game mode that allows players to test their pirating skills in fast-paced matches against rival crews. Each match... Each match is fun, frantic, no, frenetic, excuse me, an action-packed race to find treasure that brings together all the most exciting elements of Sea of Thieves on demand. The arena also includes new, a new tavern arena, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over this, a new tavern area together with a new trading company, the Sea Dogs, which will offer new goals, rewards, and opportunities to progress to Pirate Legend. Sea of Thieves is available on Xbox One and Xbox uh, Xbox One, X Windows 10, and Xbox Game Pass as an Xbox Play Anywhere title. Jesus. So if you're a Sea of Thieves player, more content coming, still growing, still out there. That's another one, right? Like, we think of that as a game that came and went. People still playing it. It's crazy. You're killing me, Sean. <laughs> Unveiling the Zed Hunter pack in State of Decay 2. Uh, we got the next content pack for State of Decay 2 launching November 16th. The Zed Hunter pack adds the powerful and silent crossbow as a new zombie slaying weapon along with additional melee weapons, facilities, blood plague consumables, and gameplay updates like the ability to res uh, respect, respect your skills. Like re respec. Um, sorry, they wrote respect. Um, <laughs> you gotta respect your skills, man. That's right. <laughs> Into the main game. Uh, as part of our continued commitment to supporting the 4 million players in the State of Decay community, Zed Hunter will be free for all players, owners of either Standard or Ultimate Edition, along with Xbox Game Pass members. Looking forward, we also announced that we are working on more challenging player experience coming in 2019. Stay tuned for additional details on this difficulty setting and more. That's great. 4 million players is nothing to sneeze at. That's really solid. I did not think it would be that many. So good for you, State of Decay. Awesome. Uh, and then, Sean, I know you got a, a rise out of this one when I listed off in their indies, but shoot your way to safety in Void Bastards! <laughs> <laughs> what a name. Premiered during Inside Xbox and inspired by Bioshock and System Shock 2, you have my attention. Void Bastards is a revolutionary new strategy shooter that will test your wits as you exercise your aim, coming to Xbox as a console launch exclusive. So that means it's coming to PS4 eventually. Good to know. Can you lead the misfit prisoners of the Void Ark through the derelict spaceships and myriad... Or maybe not PlayStation 4, maybe Nintendo Switch, now that I'm thinking about it. I'm interrupting myself. Through the derelict spaceships and myriad dangers of the Sargasso Nebula. Will you make the right choices about what you do, where you go, and when to fight? Master combat, manage ship controls, scavenge supplies, craft improvised tools, and more. Void Bastards will also come to Xbox Game Pass, coinciding with its launch on Xbox One. I'm interested in this one. I just looked up this game, and it literally looks nothing like what I thought it would look like. It, it's I'm, got a. I'm, it's the aesthetic of this game is completely bonkers. Yeah, I'm taking a look at it now, and it's got like 
that like very cell shaded kind of vibe. It's like I don't want to say cartoony, but like almost reminds me of like uh, like Portal. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like very comic-y. Like it, I'm seeing the stuff now where I'm dying and like you're hitting the ground and it's got you know um, like thuds and whams and it's like almost comic booky. Yeah, this is actually really, really kind of cool. Um, my first thought when I saw this was the um, those cell shaded games that were coming out on the GameCube. Um, yeah, in the mid two thousands. Absolutely, um, and also it like it says the the Bioshock comparison that he makes is a little bit um, underselling it. It's actually being developed. It's designed by uh, Blue Man Chu and Jonathan Che, who is a co-founder of Irrational Games and was the director on the original Bioshock and System Shock 2. So that's really impressive pedigree on this game. Yeah, and you can certainly kind of see, at least in the, the design of the level or levels that we're seeing in this trailer, you can see the uh, the Bioshock influence for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like it looks like a very atmospheric kind of shooter. So that just shot to the top of my radar. Um, I might pick this one up on PC and not even wait for it to come to like another console. Uh, so Battlefield Five got another trailer. I don't really feel like there's much to say here. It's you know, it's it's a, it's another Battlefield trailer. Yeah, November twentieth. If you're playing Battlefield, you know you're gonna get it. Uh, so then we got the first look at Devil May Cry's Void Mode. Which is interesting. Um, obviously, Sean, you being a big Devil May Cry fan, I'm interested to hear what you think about this. Matt Walker joined director uh, Hideki. It's I think it's Hideki Itsuno from Capcom's head office in the vibrant city of Osaka to show off the rich culture of the city and share how the team draws from their surroundings. Itsuno provided insight on how Capcom's action games are influenced by the Osaka area before giving Inside Xbox a first look at the comprehensive training mode he's created for Devil May Cry 5, dubbed The Void. As a first for Xbox fans, Itsuno gave a personal tour of Narrow Devil's Beaker Breakers, excuse me, including the bonus Devil Breakers available in the deluxe edition content of Devil May Cry 5. So it seems like it's like a training mode for like the co- the more advanced combo breaker stuff. Right. So anyone who knows about Devil May Cry knows that a lot of those combos are pretty tough to pull off and they require quite a bit of muscle memory, uh, just like if you're trying to do the Raging Demon in Street Fighter as a Kuma. Um but Devil May Cry has never had a training mode as far as I know. So this is actually pretty cool and something that I could see myself using in this game. So I would say it's a welcome quality of life edition. If it didn't have it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I think that for people who really want to go in and master those um, those longer combos and those cooler moves, um, this, is a, this is a must. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a really good move for a game that wants you to explore its skill ceiling. You know? So, that's cool. Uh, so, highly, two highly anticipated fighters joined the Jump uh, Jump Force roster. So, if you if you guys remember, Jump Force is that, like, anime Smash Brothers equivalent kind of thing that got announced at E3 earlier this year. And they announced uh, Super Saiyan God Mode, Super Saiyan Vegeta, and Golden Frieza from Dragon Ball. So This is so cool, man. I love it. Uh, so, we've got... Are you going to play this game? Man, it depends. So, uh, first of all, Dragon Ball Super, or I'm sorry, Dragon Ball Fighters already exists. So, there's that. But, Jump Force has the trump card, which is that it has Yugi. 
Yugi is a playable character. It's pretty in this cool, game. yeah. Now, I haven't seen enough footage from this game to really, really get a feel for what it's going to play like. It's pretty unique. Um, but I really... I feel like in 2018, the only kind of fighting game I want to play is a 2D side-scroll uh, fighting game. And this is not that. So yeah. if I'll tell you this right now. If Yuki is awesome, I'll probably play this. I feel like this is a game I could get, de- like, if one of my friends picks it up, I'll have a lot of fun fucking around with it. But it's not a game that's on my radar, personally. I will say the one thing that would make me feel a little bit differently is if they if they announce that they're going to bring My Hero Academia characters into it. Because I'm real high on that show right now. So I could see myself being like, ah, right. <laughs> is that a Shonen Jump uh, manga? It is. Well, then maybe some DLC. Maybe so. Or maybe they just won't, they haven't announced them yet. Well, the only reason why I said that is because that's fairly new, right? And this game is yeah. in development for a while. So yeah. I was thinking, you know. They are in season three. Oh, oh, so okay, yeah, it's po- it's very possible. The manga's been around for a while too. You know, it's like I feel like that's like aside from Dragon Ball, that's their like hottest property right now. It's like it's the big new thing there, in the way that like Naruto used to be. There's very little doubt in my mind that that franchise won't receive some attention throughout this game's lifespan, whether it's yeah day one or through DLC. My only thing that makes me think that DLC might be more likely is I know they just put out a My Hero Academia fighting game that's just My Hero characters, and it's like kind of like the old like Monardo Jump Force games, you know, where it's like a 3D and it's kind of like sloppy, and so we'll see. And a million people bought it. <laughs> exactly. <You know>? yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we got a new CGI trailer for Just Cause 4. I'm not going to read this. I don't really care about Just Cause 4. We're moving on. Uh, so then, uh, Sean and I watched this earlier. I know, um, familiar faces are returning to Kingdom Hearts 3. We got the return of Winnie the Pooh in a brand new trailer for, uh, for this. And we also got some more hints of Master Xehanort and what's going on with Organization 13. Um, we also got some new, like, looks at some of the worlds we've already seen. Like, we got more footage from Big Hero 6, Tangled, and Pirates of the Caribbean. We saw some new combo moves between Sora and some of those characters. Uh, looks great, man. Uh, you know, I January 2019, or, um, January 29th, 2019. Can't come uh, soon enough. This is a weird one, uh, and the only reason why I say that is because I'm still not sure what to expect visually from this game. The reason why I say that is because we've seen some pretty bad-looking uh, scenes from this game in prior trailers. Yeah. Now, I know that the game was still in development, so I don't know if that means that it was just what they showed was just earlier stages and they've made it better, or so. there's actually going to be a weird kind of like quality yeah. differential between levels. That seems unlikely to me, but that's what they chose to show, so I'm feeling a little weird about this. Um, but to be honest with you, I don't need to see any more Kingdom Hearts. How good does this trailer look? Though? Oh, it's fantastic. And it's, that's it's the amazing. thing is it really makes me feel like the stuff we were seeing before that felt kind of like blocky is maybe was just the work in progress, you know, and that yeah. the last couple months of polish have really paid off. I'll be honest. I can't remember seeing a single game that looked better on release than it did in the work in progress trailers. But, yeah. Um, to your point, every single thing that they have shown us since then looked incredible. So you're probably right. I hope so. 
So then we got another look at the Forge in Shadow of the Tomb Raider, uh, which is the first the first of seven of those monthly DLC editions that they announced a while back. Um, so there's a new character named Abby. There's a it's a co-op journey. So if you you know want to go check that out, there's footage about it. Uh, it seems like it's right around the corner. So if you're a Tomb Raider fan, more stuff's coming. Cool. Uh, then the Xbox One's backwards compatibility catalog continues to grow. They added a uh, a, a bunch of new games. Um, so it's it's a uh, four of the. Um, I'm sorry. I'm gonna take this again. I I got that in a really messy way. So next up, they announced uh, four new games coming to Xbox One's backwards compatibility on November 13th, which is the Final Fantasy. Uh, what is it? 13. 13. Yeah, I had to do the counting there. 13 <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> it's uh, it's the Lightning trilogy. So, uh, one Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy 13 2, Final Fantasy Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13 because these names are goddamn ridiculous are all going to be coming fully backwards compatible with the Xbox One X uh, enhanced version for uh, Civilization Revolution also coming around that time. So a bunch of new games coming if you're looking for more backwards compatibility stuff. Unfortunately, not getting the like 4K enhancement for the Final Fantasy trilogy, but you get them. So that's pretty cool. This and, is... Uh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, this is the biggest thing that I love. You know, again, not having an Xbox One that I love about this console that I hate about the PlayStation 4. Yep. Why does this not happen on the PS4? It's crazy. It's it's it, it's really upsetting. And it's a thing that it seems like Sony's finally making a play to try and remedy it little by little, but it's fucking A. Come on, man. Like this has been an option for us for so long and it's really frustrating. Well, we're at almost at the end of the life cycle of the console. We probably have a couple more years, you know? Yeah. Where, when are we going to get this? When the next console comes out? This is insane. Yes. That's the thing is I think really they're setting it up so that next time around it's not a problem. But for PS4, I think we're shut out of luck. You're, you're probably right. And it's annoying because it was an option on PS3. It's an option on Xbox. Like, come on. Anyway, uh, to date, gamers have enjoyed playing over 1 billion hours of Xbox backwards compatible games. Uh, there are over 500 Xbox 360 games, 25 Xbox One X enhanced Xbox 360 titles, and 32 original Xbox classics. So quite a library. So this next one is really cool because it actually has me thinking about buying an Xbox uh, for my girlfriend when we move in together. But play your way with mouse and keyboard support on Xbox. So now uh, support for mouse and keyboard on Xbox One is, is going to be arriving next week for select titles. Um and at launch and then there's more coming so uh at launch they said that fortnite is going to be one of the first titles to have mouse oh, and keyboard man. support big deal uh alongside warframe which is another you know pc friendly game which is on xbox uh alongside boomer crew deep rock galactic strange brigade vermintide 2 war thunder and Xmorph defense um all coming in november and then Child of Morta, Daisy, Minion Master, Moonlighter, Vigor, Warface, and War Groove are all having planned support in the future. So I'm a little disappointed. I thought this was going to be saying it was coming for all games, but 
pretty cool. Massive keyboard support coming to basically any developers that want to add it. And then they said when it does launch, any developers who want to add it will have the tool to add support. So it's going to be based on a developer by developer kind of thing. But pretty cool move, I got to say. Because if you're a mouse and keyboard player, like the Xbox One X is way cheaper than buying like a gaming PC. You're not kidding about that. Uh, but as an aside, what do you think, unless you know the answer already, what do you think, based on the name only, that War Groove is about? I, to me, it sounds like soldiers dancing. Exactly. Now, what kind of title is that? War Groove. Now, I'm going to look this up because I'm look very curious. I'm going to look it up. Uh, okay, so it's it's actually on Switch, which I didn't I didn't know. Oh um, yeah, I've heard of War Groove. Okay. Yeah, what is it? What is it? It's a it's a it's a turn based RPG. Um, RPG, yeah. Not at all okay. what I would have expected. Oh, Chucklefish made this. I should check this out. Huh. Oh, it's not out yet. That's why. It's upcoming Q1. And that's it's going to come out on Switch and Xbox. I see. I see. I, wow, we said that in... There we go. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Hey, this is on my radar now, too. Look at that. Um, I got to watch this fucking press conference, man. <laughs> uh, so then they said that Razer is going to be the exclusive partner, and they're actually making a design for Xbox mouse and keyboard. So that's pretty cool. It's awesome. going to be coming out uh, at CES in January, so keep your eyes peeled. And then they announced the Xbox uh, Adaptive Controller is finally going to be launching worldwide. We talked about this a while ago. Uh, the Xbox Adaptive Controller was that one that they made that was like a pad kind of system, and it's basically uh, to make video games more accessible for people with disability, and uh, it was... Uh, really, I think, successful, and now they're going to be launching it in 17 new markets, including Mexico. Uh, so it's going to be coming to Argentina, Brazil, Chile, China, Colombia, Hong Kong, Hungary, Israel, Japan, Slovakia, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, excuse me, South Africa, Taiwan, Turkey, and the United Arab Emirates, as well as Mexico, like I mentioned. So that's awesome, man. That is a huge thing, and I love this. I love that they made this controller. I love that they're trying to bring it worldwide. I love video games, and I want everybody to be able to play them. So the fact that this controller, which I know is like Able Gamers approved, which if you don't know, Able Gamers is a great nonprofit that works to uh, connect you know, disability gamers with setups that allow them to play however possible. They've developed custom systems for people that don't have use of their arms or legs or like. It's incredible the work that they do. So go check it out if you want to support or if you're a disabled gamer who wants to learn more about how they can open up options for you. Able Gamers is a great place for you to go and the Xbox Adaptive Controller is a great solution for a lot of people. So I'm so happy that this is going to be brought to people around the world. Uh, yeah, yet another instance of uh, some, some really just good news, uh, like indisputably good news. Uh, for Xbox, there's nothing, there's no negative to this. This is great. There are lots of people who would benefit from this. And I think um, you think about, you think about how many people there are in this world who are disabled in some way, who have never been able to play a game or haven't played a game since they became disabled. How many smiles this is going to put on faces, you know, people who, who, who will really benefit. Um, that's, that's great. That's a dream. 
Speaking of Xbox doing some good work, they also announced their hashtag Give with Xbox uh, initiative, which is a holiday holiday timed campaign from Xbox that aims to bring the joy of gaming to everyone. Beginning today and ending December 9th, Xbox is going to donate five dollars USD of Xbox products up to five. That's really okay. Yeah, this is right. I'm reading correctly. Is going to donate $5 of Xbox products up to $1 million for every photo shared on social media about what gaming together means with the hashtag GiveWithXbox. The donations will be split among four inspirational charities who help bring gaming to everyone. Child's Play, Gamers Outreach, Special Effect, and Operation Supply Drop. Xbox is committed more than ever to gaming for everyone and making Xbox a place where everyone has fun. So jump into Xbox or so jump in with Xbox to help everyone I'm sorry to help even more people play this holiday season. So that's that's great. That's an awesome initiative. It's another thing. They don't have to do that. You know, obviously it's good PR, but you know, anything that that these big companies do to get video games in the hands of of kids that are, you know, sick or suffering or or whatever is that's that's good karma. I mean, listen, I think in in a few years, when the next Xbox comes out and it's a juggernaut, these moves may not be the things that people talk about because they're not flashy, but I think that they're going a long way to setting up the next generation of Xbox gamers. I agree. I agree in a a big way. You know, and I think they're doing a really good job of diversifying their offerings, and, and when they announce the next Xbox, you better believe it's going to be a worthy competitor to whatever Sony has next, and that's what I like to see. <laughs> I mean, my opinion of, of Microsoft and Xbox has changed since we started doing this show, and a, a lot yeah. of that has to do with these announcements and things like that. So Dramatically, I would say, too. Like, they've really turned it around. Um. So last but not least, they're, they were uh, thrilled to announce the return of the Winter of Arcade. From December 6th to December 21st, they're going to be providing special initiatives on select ID at Xbox titles to help you fill out your library. So tune into the Game Awards on December 6th uh, for more information on that one. So essentially, uh, that's another initiative alongside their, their indie titles. What they mean by special initiatives, we'll just have to tune in and see. So talking about X18 overall, uh, obviously I didn't get to, neither of us got to see the actual event, so we can't speak on the production or like how it went overall in terms of like the show. But I think when it comes to announcements, I think they did a great job here. I think there's a lot of really solid announcements here. I think they have stuff that can have us look forward to the future, stuff about what's current and stuff about, you know, the Xbox community and speaking to their, their already activated audience, which is what they should be doing. Like, that's what PSX was for. That's what this should be for. And I, I, to me, I'd be interested to hear what Andy has to think about it. But as an outsider, I feel like it seems like they, they really delivered. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's cool that they had an event that wasn't necessarily focused on, you know, hey, here's this epic big game that we're announcing. You know, smaller stuff. Um, and really just focusing on the culture of Xbox and, and sort of, what it means to be an Xbox gamer and the kind of cool, smaller stuff that you can expect. Um, this is this is this is awesome. I really I really do think that this is cool. Uh, again, somebody who is not a fan of Xbox, really, <clears throat> I got the Xbox the Xbox One way after they first dropped. Uh, you mean three sixty? I'm sorry, three sixty. Yeah, uh, these moves. 
this kind of conference makes me feel like I might just be an early adopter of the next Xbox. Yeah, and I I I felt that way for a long time. And the more they make moves like this, the more I the more I feel that way. The more I think I might have to get the next box at launch, you know, because I don't really feel like up, upgrading my gaming PC. So it'd probably be a lot cheaper to buy a nice 4K console and get the triumvirate rolling again. Well, not to mention that they're they've got Obsidian, so we know that they're going to have better games coming to the next Xbox that are story-driven, right? Yep. Um, we also know they have the next Fable in the works. <clears throat> they have the next Fable in the works. There, and there are a lot of um, franchises that, you know, maybe haven't had the greatest time of it recently, like Halo, that may have a new lease on life with the new Xbox if they make the right decisions. So Banjo-Kazooie, Gears of War, Viva Pinata. They've got plenty of stuff they're sitting on. I like how you throw Viva Pinata in there. Viva Pinata is an all-time great Microsoft exclusive. Fight me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in any event, I think that they're really, they're really making Xbox an attractive place to game for every kind of gamer, um, and that is what Xbox needs to be to survive in the current marketplace. The reason PS4 does so well, in my opinion, is because. Any kind of game you feel like playing, you can play on PS4. Yep. So Xbox is is doing the right things, and they're doing backwards compatibility, which we talked about as a huge boom for them. So hats off to Microsoft and Xbox for a great conference and making making 2018 honestly a year where they made almost every right decision. I, I think similar to our conversation on Fortnite, we might see this generation as the generation where Xbox was the sleeping giant waiting to take back the throne. Yeah, and, and haven't they flip-flopped before, right? Yep. So Happens all the time. Um, so we shall see. But I think this as a development for Xbox, for Microsoft, for a year of good decisions that were pro-consumer and smart – uh, I think they've continued to deliver and they've continued to execute on that promise and on um, on being the pro-consumer place that they are seemingly trying to be. So good on them. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to watching the conference after the fact. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to the next one. So uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to XO19. <laughs> Maybe they'll come up with a better name by then. Hopefully. So if you guys want to let us know what you thought about X18 or any of the announcements that Microsoft made or any of the other stories that we talked about on this or any other episode of the Video Game Pals, remember you can hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com, follow at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold, or hit us up in the comments down below. Uh, if you want to help out the show, you can give us a like on your podcast platform of choice. Hit us up at Apple Podcasts where we're a five-star rated show and give us one of those sweet, sweet reviews. Or... If you're a YouTube person, like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and click that notification bell so that you know when these daily videos go live here on the Video Game Pals YouTube channel. So before we get out of here, we're going to do some plugs. Sean? Cool. So uh, if you want to hear me speak more, uh, I'm over on the Comics Pals. I'm I'm sick, obviously, so I don't know why you'd want to hear more of this. But um, over there, we, we talked... We talked a lot about Green Lantern, which is a new release from uh, DC Comics, uh, Jeff Johns and Liam Sharp. 
Uh, really good comic if you want to check that out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You said Jeff Johns. It's Graham Morrison, buddy. Oh, my God, Jeff Johns. You just dishonored your God. Oh. I should be burned at the stake. You know what I'm going to go do after this? I'm going to flog myself. In front of the uh, altar? In front of the altar that I have in my home uh, to the one and only Grant Morrison. Um, but yeah, we had a, we had a, a several really good conversations. We had an interview actually with Dan Doherty, uh, who is a fantastic comic book creator, famous for Beardo. So uh, you're going to check that out. Yeah, very good friend of the show. Um, and then if you want me on social media, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. As for me, you can find me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram and uh, come talk to me about anything, really. You know, I'm, I'm still real hype on Red Dead, uh, also in a very Delta Rune kind of place. So if you want to come talk to me about either of those things, I'd be real excited to chat with you. Uh, and then if you want to get some more content from me, like Sean said, I'm over on the Comics Pals with him. We have our uh, next book club coming up very soon. So if you want to get in on that, you can check out... Um, Pride of Baghdad by one Brian K. Vaughn. We'll be uh, releasing that at the end of the month, so you still got a couple weeks to get in on that book club. And you can catch me and Thompson on Pals Play this week where we'll be playing some Deltarune. So uh, I would really appreciate it if you would go check those things out and uh, you know do all the likes and the shares and all that kind of stuff. It, uh, it really matters. It helps the show get recognized, and it really makes us feel good. <laughs> and yeah. then you can you can also check out uh, my weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, over at lupots.com, where I do a Nintendo-centric sh- uh, show with a couple of nice British boys. Uh, and, you know, at lupots.com, we also do news, reviews, and rumors all about the world of Nintendo. So if you're a Nintendo fan, boy, or a girl, uh, you could go check that out and show your support, and I'd really appreciate it. So with that, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Video Game Pals. Thank you for joining us. We will see you here next time.